No stranger to you, Pastor Joseph Collini from Strongsville Christian Church in Strongsville, Ohio. Thank you for being with us. So as you grow in God, so does the tax. Amen. The tax will uh, grow as well. But how many know that's just part of the territory? Amen. And I don't take it to heart. And so that's what I want to encourage you today. Don't take things to heart. As you as you grow in God, the attacks are going to come. I want to prepare you for that. The Bible tells us of the God before us who could be against us. So I'd like to welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church, Pentecostal. Today's message is the throne of God. But there is a reference that there are 24 elders in heaven that are sitting on thrones as well. So we know that there is at least one throne, which is referred to the great throne of God. And then we know that there's a reference to the throne of God, which could be the same throne. We don't know. But what we do know as uh, Christians who know the word of God, we know that there are different judgments. Amen. There are different judgments. There is a judgment for those who have never gone to the throne of God in this life. So as Christians, we do not need to fear the throne of God. The only people that need to fear the throne of God is those who have never gone to the throne of God. In other words, if you have lived this whole entire life on earth and you have never went to the throne of God, you are in mega trouble. Someone say mega trouble. Amen. Because then you're going to, if you don't go to the throne of God in this life, then by force you're going to visit the great throne of God. And that is not going to be pretty for the world, which is why we preach the gospel for those to go to the throne so they don't have to go to the great throne because the great throne is for judgment, hellfire, and condemnation for those who reject Jesus. But that's for those that don't want to go to the throne on this life. So this is why we're here in church is to get to the throne of God now while we still have chance, while we got breath in our rungs, run to the throne of God, the Bible tells us. Amen. And how many of you know you can't get to the throne any other way but by Jesus Christ? Jesus said no one. No one comes to the Father but by me. You can't get there from theology. You can't get there from education. You can't get there from good works, rituals. You can't get there from religion. You can't get there from the Pope or dope. You got to get there from Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. And once you enter in through Jesus Christ, you're going to find yourself being blessed in Jesus' name. Someone say the throne of God. I'm running. Run into it. And I'm going to tell you, it's not really about the throne of God. Although I'm preaching about the throne of God, it's about who's sitting on the throne. Amen. Who is sitting on the throne? Amen. That's who we're going to see. We will never leave the throne the same way we came. Amen. It is impossible for anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what type of life you lived. I don't care what type of sin that you have done in the past. I don't even care what type of sin you're doing now. I don't care who you are, tall, short, black, white, 
Asian, rich, poor, old, young, baby, adult. It is impossible to visit the throne of God and leave the same way you come. If you look at what Moses did when he went up into the mountaintop, he visited the throne of God and he came down with white hair. So God will change you. Your face will start to glow. You'll have peace that pass all understanding. You'll have the joy of the Lord that's your strength. You'll find yourself being set free in Jesus' name. Let me calm down. Let me calm down. I need to calm down. I get excited when I talk about God. I get excited when I talk about Jesus. I'm trying to calm down. Amen. We will never leave. I should have saved this point to the end of the sermon. We, some would say, I will never leave the same in Jesus' name. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, God, we just, we, we just don't understand God is what it really boils down to. You don't understand that the glory of God is greater than all the demons. See, a lot of us Christians, we think God kicks Satan out of heaven. Right? We think that. Right? Someone's like, oh, that's in the Bible. I saw Satan fall like lightning. God never laid a finger on Satan. The Bible says there was a war in heaven. How many of you know God was not involved? He, God is so powerful that Satan is not even on his level. Who's got a baby in the house? It would be like you bringing your baby up here in the pulpit and we just go toe-to-toe. That baby, and that's a horrible example, but the point is, is that (laughs) horrible example, (laughs) just a rotten example. But the point is made that the devil isn't even on the level of God. Michael and the archangels whooped the devil. Amen. He's so powerful that the angels whooped him. And it wasn't God. God doesn't even have to fight. He's got angels to fight. He's so powerful. He created heaven and earth in six days. The only thing Satan created is a headache. He created sickness and disease. We will never leave the throne the same way we came. And I, and, and, and I say that to everyone. I say that to everyone. I'm going to show that to you in the Bible. That when you get to the throne of God, all of your hurt, all of your pain, all of your weakness really has no relevancy to being in the presence of God. Everybody leaves the same way which is blessed, but not the same way they came. In other words, everyone who leaves the throne of God walks away better than the way they came. In that aspect, they leave the same. Amen? Let me get into this sermon here. Esther 4.15, we see a shadow 
or a precursor or an example of what happens when we go to the throne of God. And we also see an illustrations of the mindset of people of what they think it's going to be like when they go to the throne of God. How many of you know that the devil is fighting people tooth and nail to try to block them from going to the throne of God? Why does the devil want to block you from going to the throne of God? Because he doesn't want you being blessed. He don't want you being free. He wants you to be addicted, bound, broke, busted, and disgusted. See, but God said, I come to give you life and that much more abundantly. And so let's look at what happens in Esther 4.15. It says, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Sosa and fast for me. You see, sometimes there might be something blocking you from getting to the throne that you need to fast and pray to get to the throne quicker. But you don't have to fast and pray to get to the throne of God. You don't have to jump through hoops and loops to get to the throne of God. The Bible says that the, th that the curtain it was ripped in the temple, which means that in order for you to get to the throne of God or the presence of God, you had to go through man. You had to go through high priest, but that curtain was ripped from the ceiling to the floor, which gives us access to the throne of God, to the presence of God. All you have to do is run. Someone say, I'm running in Jesus' name. And Esther sent this reply to Mordecai and said, go gather together all the Jews who are in Sosa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You see, some folks, we don't go to the throne of God because we know that we broke the law of God. And how many of you know that the Bible says where there is love, where there is peace, where there is joy, for such there is no law. See, the law is not designed to keep us from running to the, from the law or from the throne. The law was designed to keep us running to the throne. Amen? It's to let us know that we fall short. And I'm not talking about five foot six. I'm talking about we fall short from the glory of God. And that's why we need to run to the throne. Let the church say. But one thing I could take from this story of Esther, she said this. She said, if I perish, I perish. Look at the attitude. You see, there's a lot of people that don't go to church because they think that if they go to church, they're going to drop dead and die. 
They feel like God is out to get them. They feel like God is going to condemn them. God is going to send them to hell. God is going to curse them. God is against them. And so they know people out there in the world, they know their shortcomings. They know they've been living dirty. They know they've been riding dirty. And so they don't run to the throne of God. They run from it. But our job as Christians and say, I know you're not perfect. I know you don't got it all together. I know you got an unclean past. That that's why you need to run to the throne of God. Esther said, if I die, I die. I'm going to the throne of God. I'm going to go to the king. He has the power to destroy me. He has the power to destroy me and wipe me out. If I die, I die. I'm going to go and see the king. Some of you need to go and see the king, not just for your sake, for your family's sake, for your neighbor's sake, for the pastor's sake, for your children's sake. Go to the king in Jesus' name. You see, she was determined. She didn't know what was going to happen. She put her life on the line. Don't you know that every time we go to the throne, at any given time, God could kill us? He could. Oh, he has the power. Don't think that you, you, you're uh, exempt from being destroyed, but God could. But he won't. He said, I did not come to condemn the world. He said, I come to give you life. And that much more abundantly. In 5.1, on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. And the king was sitting on his throne, his royal throne, in the hall, facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her. How many of you know when God sees you coming into the house of God, God is pleased with you? See, a lot of times, some people, you know when you've been living down and dirty. You know when you've been riding dirty. And you think that pastor is angry. That pastor is mad at you. I, I, I ain't going to say, but there is a person that operates and does some things for this church, right? It's, it's a person that you don't see very often, but I talk to her maybe once a week because she does things for this church, right? And I, and I talked to her. She, she called me one time when I was on the TV show as the pastor, right? And so it went off during the live TV show. But I, I just told her when you called me, I was on the show, and I was only saying that because I couldn't answer the phone. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry I called you. I'm not going to call you. I don't need to bother you and this and that. And I said, no, the, the director tells us all to shut our phones off. So you could call all you want. I'm just telling you why I couldn't answer because I was lying. And so I told her, I said, it's all good. I told her it's all good. I talked to her the next day. Oh, I know you're mad at me. I, I'm like, what? 
I'm, I literally told you I'm not mad. I said I, it was no big deal. And then I talked to her a week later. Man, I know you were mad, and I'm sorry that I called the show, and I didn't mean it. I'm like, we went over this three times. I had to get a little more aggressive. I'm like, we already discussed this three times. I'm not mad. I'm getting mad now, but I'm not, I wasn't mad before only because you're annoying me. But I'm just saying the devil tries to do that to us. Oh, pastor's mad at me because I've been doing this. No, never. And I'm going to tell you what, I might be disappointed in some choices because I have high standards according to the word of God that we are to be holy as he is holy. The Bible says without holiness, no man will see God. So I strive for that in God through the Holy Spirit. But if you fall short, I don't. I don't want to give any examples, but I'm just saying there's nothing you can do to stop me from loving you. Amen. We, if we could live holy without God, we might as well turn this, this building into an ice cream shop now. We need God. We need him. I need God. I need him. Without God, I w- there's no way I would be here right now. We need God. Amen? And so Esther, going to this situation, she approaches the king. and says the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her. And held out the gold scepter that was in his hand. You see, the gold scepter represents lordship, kingship, royalty. It represents authority and power. See, all power and authority, the Bible says, has been given to Jesus. He said, my father has given me all power and all authority. And then Jesus, through the power and authority that was given to him by the Father, he released it over to you. He said, I've given you all power and authority to trample on serpents. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And see, when we go to the throne of God, we touch the tip of the scepter and in that tip comes grace comes mercy forgiveness love healing deliverance empowerment how many say i want to touch the tip of the scepter no matter what happens in life run to the throne if you've been living holy the bible says Take heed when you think you stand, at least you fall. If you've been living unholy, making the devil blush, run to the throne of God. If you've been serving God, run to the throne of God. If you've been serving the devil, Run to the throne of God. For better or worse, richer or poor, run to the throne of God. And look at an example of this in Mark 5, 5. It says, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut 
himself with stones. What type of condition is this man in? That he would take stones and cut himself. He was self-afflicting them. See, sometimes people don't even need the devil. They're afflicting themselves. I know for myself, before I was saved and before I became a Christian and got filled with the Holy Spirit, I know who was my worst enemy. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't the government. I looked in the mirror and I saw self. I was my own worst enemy because I was in the flesh. I was caught up in my logic, caught up in my pride, caught up in my ego, caught up in my will, caught up in what I thought was right and wrong, caught up in my own strength, caught up in my own emotions. I was caught up in myself, and I finally came to the conclusion that my worst enemy wasn't China. It wasn't Joe Biden. It was me. And then Jesus set me free from me. I learned to walk in the spirit of God. I learned to run to the throne of God. And I found out something different. That I can do all things through Christ. Because before Christ, I didn't even know the order of my months. Mark 5, 5, it says, night and day, this person cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he did what? So here you have a man, demon-possessed. And not just like a little demon. Because Jesus had a conversation with the Spirit. He said, who are you? He said, legion, for we are many. So you mean to tell me that someone was that far gone with a legion, which means many of demons. And even in that condition, he still ran to Jesus. And Jesus represents the throne. When you run to Jesus, you're running to the throne. And even then with a legion of demons within him. Jesus didn't say, oh, you unclean, foul thing, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. No, you hear that if you never run to the throne. Do you understand what I'm saying? Run to the throne now while you can. And this man was full of demons, and even then he still had free will. So I present this. There are some people that are more in love with demons than they are with God. They're more in love with their sin than they are with God. They don't want to give up their addictions. They don't want to give up their sin. They don't want to give up their wicked lifestyle, and so they're not ready to get free. They don't want to give up the pipe. They don't want to give up the things of the world, and they know that if they run to Jesus, they'll get good and free, but they're not ready yet. They want to ride that 
horse of sin a little bit longer, not knowing that it takes them to destruction. Get off the horse. Get on the horse of God where there's life and freedom and blessings. That little bitty sin that you're doing, don't compare to the glory of God. That sin and wicked lifestyle won't give you no joy. It won't give you no hope. It won't give you no peace. It will take, it will rob your peace. It will rob your joy. Come to the throne of God and get what God has for you. What happened when that man ran to Jesus? He cast the demons out of him. He cast the demons out of that man. And that man was sitting in his right man, mind so that all the people in that community, they were shocked at what God did. Amen. When you run to the throne of God, you will find yourself transformed. You will find your mind renewed. You will find yourself as a new creature. Everybody. Everyone, every single person, this is the only result. Let me say that again. This is the only result that happens when we run to the throne of God. There are no other, op there's nothing else out there. You don't go to God and you walk away messed up. It never happens. Never. God said, I'm no respecter of persons. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly, bold, someone say boldly, boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. That's what you get when you go to the throne of God, okay? Let's break this down. When you go to the throne of God, what do you receive? Grace. There is no grace outside of the throne of God. I know there is all kinds of false preachings of grace. But real grace comes from the throne of God. And real grace, look at this folks, real grace from God, it delivers you. It changes you. Because now they're preaching a false grace that imprisons you, enslaves you to sin. Oh, you could just keep sinning. That's why we're under grace. Just live worse than the devil. We're under grace. You can find that in Second Opinions chapter 13, verse 2. Second Opinions, but not in any real Bible. And I can go deeper than that, but that's a different sermon. Now, what does grace do? Let, let, let's look at what grace does, right? When you receive grace, you find mercy, right? So in other words, you don't need mercy if you've been living holy. See, we don't get holiness and then run to the throne of grace. It's the other way around. You take your unholy flesh, 
You take your weakness, your shortcomings, you take all your mistakes, all your sin, you take that and then run to the throne of grace that you may obtain what? Mercy. And when do you need mercy? In the time of need. Is there anybody out there that is in a time of need? If you're in a time of need, run to the throne of God. Someone say, I need mercy. I need grace. I'm in a time of need. I need a touch from the scepter of God. I want to go into the throne of God. I don't want to come out the same way I came in. When we go to God's house, we should never leave the same way we came. We should leave confident in God, bold in God, joyful, love, freer, peace, joy, love, humble, in Jesus' name. The closer we get to the throne, the harder it is to resist worshiping God. Now I want to talk to you right quick about worship. Now the Bible tells us to, to lift up holy hands, right? So there are some patterns of physical examples of manifestations of worship. Right? The Bible says lift up holy hands. The Bible said David praised and he danced before the Lord. That was a physical manifestation. Now, I've gone to an Amish church. I've gone to an Amish church. I spoke at an Amish church. And zero people, they, let me tell you, their religion, they were not allowed to clap their hands. This church right now, would be considered a liberal church. Men had to sit on one side. Women had to sit on the other. Right? You could not shout amen. You couldn't clap. See, you were not allowed to do that. But does that mean that those folks did not have grace? It does, does it mean that they did not worship God in their heart? You see... Worshiping God is not about what you do physically. It's about where your heart is spiritually and your mind is mentally. Because some churches, you know, they, they're hitting the keyboard, dun, 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 and everyone's like, dun, 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 dun. and if you ain't doing that, you ain't really praising God. Right? Other churches, you got to do cartwheels down the aisle. That, and, and that's how they worship God. Other churches, they, they pull out that tuning thing. And then they start singing. That's how they worship God. You're not allowed to have drums in the church. You see, so there's different ways for us to perform worshiping God. There's different ways for us to perform praising God. But is it possible to be dancing all around the church, dun, 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 like praising God, but then you leave the church and you go out and get high as a kite. Are you getting a fight? Are you pull over road, road rage and roid rage on the way home? But yeah, in the church, you were really praising and you lift up holy hands and you know that you could you could cut the anointing with the spoon. You know, it was so thick. You know, you see, see, you could be, I, I I've I'm only saying this because I've seen it firsthand. And so what I'm saying is, even though there is a performance of worship, a performance of praise, 
their heart was far from God. Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart was far from you. So God is looking at our heart during the worship. He wants us to meditate on him day and night. So I got to tell you, if you want to do cartwheels in this church, we encourage cartwheels. Amen. In this church, if you want to do a praise lamp, we look forward to that. Uh, if you want to stand up on the chair and shout hallelujah, <laughs> praise Jesus, thank you, God, stand up on the chair and praise God. It's all right. Amen. We ain't at a point where we're dead. We're alive. Now, I'm not saying if you don't stand up on the church, you ain't saved. But we're not robots. We're free. Amen. Free. Someone say, I'm free. How do you get free? Go to the throne. The, and, and, and so what I want to say, folks, is the closer you get to God, the harder it is to refuse to worship him. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a Pentecostal church. I'm not talking about a revival movement. I'm not talking about a full gospel I'm not talking about the whole, I'm talking about the living Shekinah glory, the presence of a living God. The closer you get to him, your, your flesh shuts down. Your, your body will involuntarily receive the glory of God. You're, I'm telling you, when I first saw and came in contact with the presence of God, the hairs on my arm stood straight up. I felt a vibration. You have to praise God. The closer you get to God, you, you get harder. It's harder to resist praising him. Why? Because his presence is so powerful. The Bible says no flesh will glory in the presence of God. You see, your DNA, everything within your being is receiving the presence of God. You have to praise him. He's so awesome. Raise your hand if you like animals. If you like animals, raise I know I kind of tricked you. Raise your hand if you like animals. Raise your hand if you like going to the zoo. All right? Okay, so if you go to the zoo, have you ever seen a creature that was amazing at the zoo? Have you ever seen a rhino and you just looked at the power and the muscles of it and the majesty of this beautiful created animal that's roaming around? Right. If you go and you look at some people like bird watching, have you ever seen a, a bald eagle like myself, bald and beautiful? Have you ever seen a free-flying, bald, beautiful eagle roam just flying around? Have you ever looked at it and just thought to yourself, how wonderful? And that is just the created thing that the creator made. If you can appreciate a natural animal... Have you ever looked at your wife or you married folks? Have you ever looked at your wife and say, rib of my rib, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh? Wow, you're really amazing. See, I look at Sister Rhonda like that. I look at her and I think, man, how did I score? It must have been the bald head. You see, how much more you parents... The, you parents that have children, a, a, a living miracle of a baby come out of you. 
How does that even happen? And then they don't stay a baby. They actually grow on their own. And then they get teenagers and they start to eat you out of house and home. But you look at the miracle of life and it just is amazing. Think how much more you're going to be when you're in the presence of God. The Bible says, I have not seen, ear have not heard the things that await for them that love the Lord. God is so awesome. You have to praise him. You have to worship him. Revelation 4, 8. It says each of the four, and this is just a, an illustration or a description that John received, a vision of some of the things that he saw in heaven. It says each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered with eyes all around and even under its wings. How many went to the zoo and saw that? <laughs> now maybe if you took some acid... Or took more than the doctor prescribed. But none of our saints in this house had done such a thing. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. And was covered with eyes all around. And its wings day and night. And they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. In other words, these, these high-ranking, high-ranking angels, they sat at the throne of God. And 24-7, nonstop, they worship God. Why? They have, it, does it, is it laborious? Is it industrious? No. When you come into the presence of God, you have to praise God. Your soul reacts to God and where you have to praise him with all your mind, all your heart, and all your soul because the glory of God is just that awesome. It's just that great. And just think that God has his highest ranking angels. Just think about that for a second. He chose his highest ranking angels to sit at his throne and say holy. What a humbling job. You would think, well, don't, don't I get a more special job than that? No, it is the highest ranking position that we should praise the all-living God, the almighty God, that we should praise Jesus, the ruler of who was, who is, and who is the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am that I am, the word of God. When we praise God, we go into a ranking, angelic position. Spiritually, we die to our flesh. It's under the cross, and we start to praise a living God. He will change you. The Bible says when you praise God, he receives the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. When you start to go to the throne of God and you praise him, you are now entering into your calling of why you were created. It's to praise your creator. It says the 24 elders fell down. You see, when you're in the presence of God, I, I remember the first time I got saved. 
I, there was no uh, nice church like this. There was no pastors, no deacons, no door greeters. I was in a jail cell in the Cleveland County Jail. And I saw no hope for my future. I was going to check out. I didn't even want to live anymore. And I remember being an atheist, not believing that God was even real. And I, from the weight of my sin and all the hatred and anger and burdens of this life, and I remember just falling to my knees and looking up in the air and crying out and saying, God, if you're real, you help me right now. And if you help me, I will serve you the rest of my life. And I remember all the tears coming down my face. For the first time, I cried because my heart was so hard. I didn't cry for 10 years. And I remember the presence of God coming. He Just think of God. He came to visit me. Did you ever think that God is so busy, but he still makes time for every single one of us? And I tell you, I went to the throne of God at the Cuyahoga County Jail on the 11th floor in cell block four. And God changed my life. I can't begin to tell you how much he has blessed me. And I got to tell you, no matter how hard you might think things are, if you go to the throne of grace, God will change your life for the good. We will not, and this is important, folks. See, we judge ourselves inaccurately. For you ladies, how many of you tried to get your hair the way that you wanted it without looking at a mirror? Huh? How many of you, you go to your house and you, 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 you got an important event? And you try to get your hair all right where you want it, and you just look at a wall. And you go like this, and you try to get your hair the way you want, looking at a wall. How many have done that? If you have, we're going to do an altar call, and we're going to encourage you to come to that. You see, and that is what we do while we're still in this flesh. We try to get our hair right. Now, I know for a preacher with a bald head, that's probably the worst example. We try to get ourselves right. And we think that we know who we are. We think we know what we could become. We think we know what we can accomplish. We think we know our future. And it is all restricted and limited to this flesh. And I'm going to say this again. We will not discover our true and full identity until we get to the throne of God. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, for now, someone say for now. For now, I don't really, really know fully who I am. I know I have an idea, but not fully. We see a shadow, a glimpse. In fact, the more we read the word of God, the more we discover who we were created to be in Christ. But even then, look at what Apostle Paul said. He said, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. 
now, notice the toggle between then and now. Now I know in part, not in full. And then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. In other words, I don't care how much you love your mama. I don't care how much your mama loves you. I don't care how long you've been married. I don't care how much you love your children. Nobody will fully know you the way God knows you. He knows you before you were born. He knows your thoughts afar off. He knows the intentions of your heart. He knows everything about you. And the Bible says that we are the apple of his eye. In Revelation 22, 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life and a clear, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it and in the either side of the river, there was a tree of life. You see, when you get to the throne of God, you get connected to the tree of life which bear 12 manner of fruits, yielding her fruit on every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Folks, when you go to the throne of God, you receive healing. Amen? And it says, there shall be no more curse. When you get to the throne of God, it breaks and destroys curses. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. You see, we are created in the image of God, but how could we fully know who we are if we've never seen him face to face? Why? Because when you're in the flesh, the Bible says no man sees God and lives. In other words, your flesh, your carnal body could not contain the glory of God. So the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. In other words, until your soul departs from your body, you will not be capable of seeing the almighty God face to face. And the moment you see him face to face, you're going to know that you were created in his image. You will start to see who you were really designed and created to be. But that will never fully happen until you see God almighty on his throne. Someone say, I'm running to the throne. And look at what it says, folks. It says, and they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. Glory to God. The throne of God is more beautiful than anything we have seen or imagined. I'm going to say that again. The throne of God is more beautiful than anything we've seen or imagined. How many of you know that your ears that are created by God, even if a doctor tells you that you have perfect hearing, how many of you know our ears are designed to hear 20 to 20,000 hertz of sound decibels? 
In other words, the sound waves that you hear with your natural ear is restricted to 20 to 20,000 hertz. Anything below that, you can't hear it as a human being. Anything above that, you can't hear it as a human being. The Bible tells us that we are limited in this flesh. It says, who knows the mind of God? that they should counsel him. See, I've learned as an optician that the human eye at best can only see, what is it? Uh, I forgot, I had it written down here somewhere. 380 to 70, 60 nanometers. That's what the, the wavelengths that the human eye can see is 380 to 760 nanometers of light waves. In other words, anything past that spectrum, your eye doesn't pick it up, whether it's higher or lower. You see, there are so many limitations to this natural body. But when you leave this body, I'm telling you, you're going to see things that you never imagined. You're going to hear things. We appreciate Deacon Frederick on the keyboard and Brother West on the guitar. But you're going to hear music that is going to change your soul. You're going to hear things that just change you from being in the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, however, it is written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared to them that love him. In Revelation 4.2, it says, at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was the throne in heaven, and with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there, the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone around him, emerald and circled the throne. You see, when we look at rainbows, we normally see it in a vertical state, right? We see it like this, like an arch. The Bible says that there's going to be a rainbow that encircles about his throne. In other words, that electromagnetic spectrum, the Roy G. Biv, the breakdown of the colors, the closer you get to the throne of God, you're going to see different colors, different glory of God. It's going to be amazing. And again, it's not about the throne. It's about who's sitting on the throne. It says surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, Right? So we know that there were at least 24 other thrones. It says it right there. You guys see that? Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were the 24 elders. And they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And if you look at this, it's amazing. They had crowns. On their head. How much does a crown worth that's solid gold? That's eternal diamonds. If you think, if you ever watch those shows of people who mine for gold, they're excited if they find a little tiny nugget that's literally worth thousands and thousands. Imagine a solid gold crown. It says, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence 
never again will they hunger. In other words, they won't care about the cost of eggs at Giant Eagle because they will never hunger. It says the sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's not going to be any crying in heaven. There's not going to be any sickness or disease. There's not going to be any pain. You're not going to have a body that causes you uh, agony. You're going to have a glorified body and you're going to be in the presence of God with no more tears. You will be totally transformed in Jesus' name. In Ephesians 2.6, it says, and hath raised us up together and has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's not about when we get to heaven. That's right now. We could go to the throne of God now. In fact, we need, we need to go to the throne of God now. Because when we go to the throne of God, the Bible says we will be seated in heavenly places together. The Bible says as it is done on heaven, so it will be done on earth. We have a connection connection through the Holy Spirit to have access to the throne of God. This is how we cast out devils. This is how we prophesy. This is how we speak in angelic languages because we have access to all these gifts of God through the power of the Holy Spirit sent by Jesus Christ who died on the cross. When we repent of our sins, when we get it under the blood, when we walk in the presence of God, you will start to see a transformation. You're going to start to see that you're going to seek first the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added unto you but you won't care about all things because the only thing that you truly care about is the throne of God and he who sits on it who has the power to change your mind your heart your soul and bless you and your family in Jesus name if you will repent of your sins if you will turn from your wicked ways and go to the throne of grace God said I will change your life in a way that you have never been changed before I will bless you in ways that you would never be able to do not by strength not by might but by my power says the Lord God Almighty he has something before you he's gonna fast-track you where it takes years for others it will take days for you in Jesus name Pastor Kalini, you know, as we talk about, I like how Pastor Neil starts to address this question when we start talking about different denominations because of different views. How, what, how do you look at the scriptures and then start to answer this question for Jackie? Where did denominations come from? What my mind just got directed to was when Paul said some preach out of contention, some preach out of envy, some preach to add affliction to me, but nevertheless, I rejoice because Christ Jesus is being preached. And so this really needs to be the bottom line, that, that whatever denomination, it is the epitome of the gospel. It doesn't deviate from the word of God. Where does it come from? It comes from pride. It comes from uh, division. It comes from... Uh, disagreements and I really believe the devil can really get his hands and and cause uh, 
uh, Christians to turn from one another and they could uh, focus on the bones and spit out the meat, you know, or they could, you know, just really cause division through denominations. I don't believe that they're evil, but I believe the devil could use it to cause division if we allow that. So really what we need to do is focus on Christ Jesus, look at what we do have in common, unless it's really deviates from salvation or what the word teaches. I like it. And a lot of times, especially uh, if you go into the prisons, right, and you do prison ministry and you start listening to some of the inmates, well, God put me in the prison for a reason. God put me here. God put me here to save me, right? They never in their mind consider that maybe God did not put them there, that the devil put them there, that they were doing the exact extreme opposite of everything that God intended for their life. And because of that, they ended up in prison. And they never make that connection. Well, God, because they've been taught about the sovereignty of God. Elder went with me to the prisons. Deacon, Deacon used to be a correction officer. They know. Well, God, the Lord sent me in here to save my life. He could have. He, let, let's analyze that. Let's just pick that apart a little bit. God sent me to prison to save my life. So if you believe God is sovereign, does he need to put you in prison to save your life? Can he not save your life without throwing you in prison? No, you committed crimes. You literally broke the wall, the law. That's what puts you in prison. God was sitting back telling you, don't do that. Don't do that. That still small voice, that consciousness that was telling you not to, that was God. Can I talk to you today about the intentions of God? Only that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Now, this is the devil saying, I want you, God, to stretch forth your hand, right, and touch what he has. That's what the devil, so the devil, before that, he was saying, he, he was, God was saying, did you consider my servant Job? He's perfect and upright. No, Satan was trying to accuse God that he doesn't really love you for you. He only loves you under the guise of these conditions, these conditions of the materialism. And the moment you touch his materialism, he will pull back his love from you. You see, and so it is the intentions of the devil to prove that we don't love God for God. We only love God for money. We only love God for materialism. We only love God for things. And the moment that the things are taken from us, we will withdraw our love from God. And I have witnessed this as a pastor that as some folks grow financially, I've seen them withdraw their walk with God. That only certain conditions will create a walk with God, which is not a genuine walk. If I only love my wife when she's prospering, then my love is not real biblical love. It is worldly love. You see, and so it is the intentions 
of the devil to prove that everyone only has worldly love for God. But God is also has intentions to raise up a remnant that loves him no matter what. You see, if you work a job, you are entitled to payment. There are no works on earth that can entitle us to salvation. You see, that was done on the cross. Jesus paid that price on our behalf. Amen. Through grace, not of works, least any man shall boast. But as a result or evidence that we have accepted his grace, we are then entitled as a child of God, as one that is born again, baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We are entitled to peace, entitled to joy, entitled to love. So if there is at any given time in your life where you're leaving peace, you're leaving joy, you're leaving love, you have to ask yourself, are you walking in alignment in the kingdom of God? Because these are things that we are entitled to as we obey his word, as we hear his voice. The Bible says, my children know my voice. And as we hear the voice of the Lord, it gives us peace. As we hear the voice of the Lord, it gives us joy. As we hear the voice of the Lord, it gives us love. As we hear the word of God, it builds up our peace. It builds up Christian church, the spirit of the Lord is upon me.